The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome to One Hour at a Time. Of course, this is John McAndrew, guest hosting today. Our guest our guest today is Peter Amato and his life has been one of transformation, growth and change. He's studied with Deepak Chopra. Andrew Weil, and Zen Master and Nobel Peace Prize nominee Thich Nhat Hanh. Realizing that a new model for healthcare was needed, Peter founded three distinct com- companies. And uh, they're called Inner Harmony Wellness Centers, uh, the Inner Harmony Group, and Harmony Spa and Retreat. He's also managing partner of Integrative Life Centers, who we've had on as guests before. Peter was co-founder and past chair of the National Integrative Medicine Council and has worked closely with the American Cancer Society and the Center for Disease Control. For some 20 years now, Peter has worked as a transformational consultant with organizations and groups in four key areas, education, healthcare, recovery, and addiction and corporate affairs. Peter's latest book, which is really what got him here today is called soul soul silence a unique approach to mastering the 11th step peter you have a master's degree in transpersonal psychology and are pursuing a doctorate degree in mind body medicine so when do you have time to breathe Well, John, that's a great question, but it seems to me like I just continue to breathe and smile through most everything I do most of the time. So life for me is somewhat of a living meditation. Okay. You are very, very busy, and and, and today we're going to try to to touch on, uh, as much as we can, all the various things you have going, but, but really the book uh, has caught my eye and and I got up from Integrative Life Centers, and they told me a little bit about some of the things you're doing. And I guess to, you know, soul silence, a unique approach to mastering the 11th step. We're going to have to know a little bit about you, Peter, and sort of what got you to this to this place in your life. And your history is really incredible. You're a native of Pennsylvania, and uh, your family basically founded Keystone Automotive, which is a pretty big company. Uh, Some people, you know, would say you were a business tycoon at some point. You've been a race car driver. Um, You led a pretty fast life, and then boom. And I think that's really part of the story I think we'd like to hear about, uh, you know, when that boom happened, 1979, something like that, I think it says in your book. Well, um, actually, it was 1993. A nudge, a grudge, or a judge. 
<laughs> Bless me with the uh, opportunity to go to an inpatient rehab center after having a uh, many years of success, you know, within the automotive industry, within motorsports, and uh, it just became uh, overwhelming, and I got sucked up by the uh, the pitfalls of success and uh, ended up in the recovery and that was the first day of the rest of my life. That's where I uh, rediscovered who I really am and knew myself for the very first time Mm -hmm. without all the trappings of money, success, and power. I'm now down to a one-pager, John. Huh? I'm now down to a one-pager. Yep, yeah, I hear you. How did you become a race car driver? Uh, I'm interested in knowing that. Well, my dad, back in 1955, saw a need and decided to fill it. It was a time when the hot rods were becoming popular, and uh, this was in the 50s, and he opened up a... Uh, speed shop it was called at the time and began to distribute for some of the major manufacturers on the west coast and uh, you know those guys were fixing up their their cars and souping them up as we would say they needed a place to go for parts there was only mail order at the time just a little bit of mail order so he opened a retail store and that was the beginning of our our journey our family's uh, journey into the parts business that uh, went on for a few decades after that, and we grew through the ranks, and uh, my two brothers actually had to leave high school to come and work the business. I started when I was 13 years old. Uh, you know, we shared a bedroom, bedroom the three of us. Uh, I had the cot, and when the first brother got married, I got his bed. <laughs> uh, and we worked that the automotive business up to... Uh, 20 retail stores, eventually going wholesale with the worldwide automotive parts distributorship where we uh, carried about 500 different product lines and ran over 100 trucks a day and just had thousands of uh, people calling in uh, to ship UPS. Motorsports, you know, we raced on the weekend and sold parts all week to... uh, allow us to enjoy and sustain our, our motorsports uh, joy and love, I should say. Mm-hmm. So it was fun, lots of fun. And uh, my brother Joe eventually became the, the driver of our our car. One of us had to uh, work more in the business. He was the older oldest boy, so he, uh, he got to go racing and, uh, you know, continue the name of our, our business, Keystone Automotive and Campaigning and Motorsports, and uh, I worked in the business along with my, my other two, uh, my other brother, uh, and a few other gentlemen that we brought in. So it was pretty extensive, and uh, yeah. we did really well with the business. Well, you're a little bit humble, because you won, I, I guess your team won five world championships, you set some world records, and... You mentioned in your book, I mean, it's a pretty, you mentioned the word exotic, but it's a fast life. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of, uh, you know, and 
and you talk about that in your book, and then you have the chapter called Visine and a Handkerchief. What Can you tell us what that <laughs> right. chapter is about? Well, it was, you know, living in the fast lane and, uh, you know, uh-huh. campaigning the car, you know, uh, 30 weeks a year, running the business, and uh, took me down the road of uh, drugs and alcohol, and uh, cocaine became my, my best friend, so I had a, a cold for about 20 years. <laughs> so when I would go in the office, people would say, you know, you still haven't got rid of that cold yet. I said, no, I'm working on it. You know, because uh, it was just a, uh, you know, it's just pretty, pretty off the charts. Uh, uh-huh. All of the uh, success and the fast lane and the travel and uh, you know the business, we just were uh, successful. We worked hard and uh, played hard, and that's just the, the way it was for me. You know, I was the only family member that uh, actually went down the wrong roads, if you will, at the time, which today I see as a blessing and a gift. Mm-hmm. So that was the reason for the hanky and the visine on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. I um, There's a real powerful part here in this book, and it's right at the very beginning. And you talk about the first person you meet, and uh, I think this person, uh, from the way you explain it in the book, uh, changed your life. And we've had a lot of people in recovery on this show, and they all talk about this one person and this look or this moment or a touch or, you know, words of kindness. And you, and you talk about Tom C. and looking at this guy in recovery. And uh, can, can you tell us what happened? There, sure. When I was uh, in rehab, Tom C., who I, I did not know, I knew of him, I knew his name, but I had never met him. He came into rehab. And that was part of his service work was to come in and uh, say hello to people from the business world because he was also a businessman in the community. So he specialized in uh, coming into our local rehab center, Marworth, and uh, saying hello. And he did and uh, introduced himself and asked me how I'm doing in rehab and you know suggested uh, you know that I what am I going to do when I, I get out of rehab and uh, basically volunteered to, to help me. And uh, I took him up on that and he became my temporary sponsor. And as it turns out, you know, I had the willingness, you know, they, they asked that one and only question, what are you willing to do? I was willing to do anything. So he said, okay, I'd like you to uh, sit still for uh, 30 minutes every morning and connect with your breathing and then go to a meeting every day, call me every day, hit my knees twice a day, and read a little bit of the uh, 12-step literature. It seemed like a pretty easy task, and I embarked, and, you know, that sitting still was the uh, the only glitch because the thoughts were racing or else I would fall asleep. And uh, I would circle back and say to him, you know, this is difficulty. I, I'm not able to quiet my mind. And, you know, I had uh, emotional turbulence coming up and anger. And he would say, I understand that. He said, just do it anyway. One day you'll experience yourself differently. Of course, I wanted to know when. And he said, you know, it won't be in your time. It'll be in God's time. And I would say, well, is that what you people do? 
He said, yes. He said, I'm starting you on the 11th step as part of the first step, or first three steps, if you will. And that's how I bring people along. So after a few months of torture, I finally settled in and uh, became the experiencer of my experience. And that changed my life. Mm-hmm. And changed the way I uh, appreciated others. Helped me to uh, understand about fear and pride and to be right-sized rather than selfish and self-centered. It brought a lot of gratitude and humility to my, my life to this day. I realized what was important and what wasn't important for me. Mm-hmm. In the book, you said, when you looked up at Tom C. that first time, you said he had something in his eyes, you know, that you wanted. Right. And uh, it's pretty incredible, this moment that happens with, with you and Tom C. And then you go, go on to uh, continued recovery and have taken this thing that Tom had in his eyes that he really taught you or he, he opened the book for you. It's interesting because in, if anyone's not read Thich Nhat Hanh, there's a little, he has lots of books, but in Pieces Every Step, he says, if your car goes fast, you go fast. So I imagine, I don't know how fast you went in those cars, but well above 100 miles an hour. And now you've gotten someone telling you to slow down and take a deep breath. And we're talking to Peter Amato on his book, his, his latest book, Soul Silence, a unique approach to mastering the 11th step. And when we come back, we're going to kind of go from <laughs> the chapter in the book where Peter talks about his story really going from being a race car driver to teaching meditation. We'll be right back. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence based practices, consensus practices, and old fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Make the most of your beautiful life. Listen to Ageless Living with Dr. Tong Lee and co-host Kurt Wilhelm to gain tips on how to live healthier and happier, alleviate suffering, prevent disease, become more beautiful in body, mind, and fashion, and find peace, balance, and success in your life. Are you aware that every 3,500 calories that you eat above what you burn will put a pound of fat on your body? And running one mile only burns 200 calories? So portion size does matter, and migraines do have a cure. What is it? You'll have to tune in Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back. Uh, we've been talking to Peter Amato, and his book is Soul Silence, a, un- a unique approach to mastering the 11th step. And I want to let folks know Peter's website is www.peteramato.com, and that's P-E-T-E-R-A-M. Let me make sure I'm right. You spell it for me, Peter. P-E-T-E-R-A-M-A-T-O. Dot com. And- dot com. And we're going to talk about several other projects and things Peter's got going. And uh, we left with this notion um, about Thich Nhat Hanh, who kind of brings Buddhist practices into the present moment. And he has an interesting thing where he says, you know, if your car goes fast, you go fast. And in the chapter, Peter, where you talk about going from race car driver, you know, to meditation in your story... Peter told me over the break that he has driven 200 miles an hour in these cars. So you've made an incredible transition, haven't you? Absolutely. <laughs> Tell us about it. Well, downshifting occurred. Ah. And, uh, <laughs> when I had that spiritual awakening in rehab and... Uh, recognized that I wasn't similar to these people, but I was exactly the same. And becoming uh, right-sized over a period of 28 days and uh, allowing for thoughts to uh, occur as I came out of the, uh, the fog through the detoxification process, I woke up to the fact that there was more to life than me, me, and me. And uh, took that along with Tom C. and sat on my pillow for a while, and um, after breaking through the struggles, began to enjoy it and became uh, something important to me in my recovery. And uh, that was at a time when we actually were selling our, our large automotive business, and I was opening the wellness center, and I took about seven years out of life and sat still for more hours than I want to admit to and would leave the house to get my, my vegetables and come back and, and sit, you know, total media blackout. And the beginnings of that time frame, I went off to study with Deepak and uh, uh, I think I was looking for an easier, softer way than being with my breath. Uh. <laughs> so I went on an exploration and I went to... Uh, Went to India a number of times. Went to Africa with uh, Andrew Weil, um, and started to go to uh, body and soul conferences around the United States to mm-hmm. be with all the current day authors and theologians and uh, spiritual uh, teachers to learn more about the mind body connection and uh, engaged spirituality and uh, Eastern philosophy and uh, 
Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, uh, you mentioned uh, Peace in Every Step is one of my favorite books by, by Thai, and uh, began to read his books and read his books, and eventually went on a, uh, oh, I think it was an eight-day silent retreat with him and uh, about 400 other people. And we, wow. didn't, uh, we didn't talk. You know, he, he said, bring a legal pad, and whenever you think you, you have something to say that's important, and that everybody must hear, write it down in your journal. And he would give discourse every day, and we would go walking together in silence, holding hands every day, all of us. And then at the end of the the time, you know, I had a lot of notes in my legal pad, important things. But uh, at the end of the week, when I looked at it, all I could do was laugh. (laughs) And uh, what was important at the time just made me laugh. And having been in silence and uh, quieting down that mind over that that week, nothing really was very important, if you know what I mean. And I just ripped Uh it up, had a good laugh and a good cry, and threw it away. And, uh, you know, I eventually became ordained as a lay monk in the Mahayana tradition of Buddhism, receiving that lamp transmission from Thich Nhat Hanh, and eventually became... uh, Part of the order of interbeing, which is his kind of uh, long-distance way of staying interconnected, and uh-huh. took the mindfulness trainings and had a weekly uh, sangha. They called it the Inner Harmony Sangha, and that went on for many, many years. In fact, uh, then I began traveling to the Caribbean, and uh, just this past year, I re- rekindled it. So I'm. Uh, actually going tonight. We have a Monday night group for an hour and a half that I, I gather in community with people. We practice mindfulness and yoga and have discourse using, you know, different books, ties, books, and other books that have touched my heart deeply. So I feel Thich Nhat Hanh is one of my, you know, most venerable teachers in my life, and I honor the simplicity that he teaches, you know, the simple fact of breathing in, I know that I am breathing in, and breathing out, I know that I am breathing out, and to have a path that's as simple as conscious breathing, to me, cuts across all all disciplines and all cultures. It could be a real universal tool, like we see in science, you know, where mindfulness meditation is becoming much more researched, studied, and utilized in society, leadership, healthcare, and now with schools. You know, we're working on a school project right now as well. So that's my history with Thich Nhat Hanh. And it's very, very simple. And, you know, I think in your book, and, I, and I'm sure this is what Deepak was talking about, um, you know, a guide for individuals struggling to navigate through recovery. Because the 11th step um, from, you know, I've heard people talk about it and they've been on our show, can really be confusing to someone that's new to all this. And then especially meditation um, can seem very, very foreign and new. And, you know, the big big million-dollar question always that I'd like for you to answer for us, and you do this in the book, like what is prayer and what is meditation, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And that's, that's uh, you know, it's somewhat subjective, but my, my own interpretation is that both prayer and meditation are forms of what I like to call self-inquiry. And prayer is where we, we verbalize and surrender in seeking, whether we verbalize out loud or at the level of the mind. 
It's a form of seeking. And prayer, prayer also can be uh, the voice of gratitude. You know, and uh, it helps us learn and discern the relationship between uh, perhaps self-will and God's will in uh, cutting through all of the uh, psychodynamics that either take us forward or take us backward in our quest for uh, our relationship with the higher power. Meditation, I believe, is when we are still and listening for either direction or, or guidance. You know, and, uh, even in 12-step, they, they, they keep it simple. They say prayers when we talk to our God, and meditation is when we listen you know, to our God or higher power or whatever you like to, to say. And both, both are reflections or practices that help uh, deepen our understanding and helping us align with the, uh, a new, newly informed and, and deeper spiritual perspective through that discernment process. Because I believe that, you know, faith needs to embody all of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's almost like discerning between conscious and consciousness. You know, at some level, we have to move beyond the uh, the mind. And uh, you know, I love I love to to pray, and I also bring in another word, perhaps a little bit different than prayer, and it's called intention. Mm-hmm. You know, very similar to prayer, but to talk about prayer in a way that intention and its relationship, uh, the relationship between intention and behavior, and how to. Uh, fulfill that space becomes part of the spiritual journey that prayer and meditation both help foster that ability to embody a different perspective or an expanded level of consciousness by working that uh, left and right hemisphere of the minds, uh, working the, uh, the, the psyche and the spirit or the soul and the spirit in a way that we grow both cognitively and behaviorally, resulting from our relationship to prayer and meditation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's as simple as uh, talking with or listening to. Yeah. You know, and, and in Thich Nhat Hanh's books, and I, that's just the thing where I find some similarities here, and you go on to talk about your experience working through the 12 steps, and then you get up to, you know, start the 11th step now. But... I'm sure with all your teachers, uh, you know, there's a, there's a teacher, whether it's, you know, Jesus or Buddha or whoever your teacher may be, and then there's the teaching, be it the steps or the, the Bible or, you know, and Thich Nhat Hanh is very clear that whoever yours is, just follow that and then follow the path and then be a part of your community. Um, and I know that the community part is what you've begun to really build around this country. And I think we'll get more into that. But um, as I start to see this build and you talked about going through the 12 steps, you know, your journey through the 12 steps and then to that 11th step. And it's like, how do I start? You know, how does a new person start the 11th step and when do they have to do that? 
Well, you know, it's unique. It's unique to the individual, and I believe that if uh, you know whether one is a twelve-stepper or not, you know, I, I believe everybody is in recovery. You know, whether they're formally in recovery or not, you know, even to uh, from the vantage point of thinking, you know, I think mm-hmm. many people in this multitasking world uh, struggle with our ability to stay the path. At least with our thinking, you know, I'm, I'm driving to to here, and I end up over here every once in a while. So it's important to understand, you know, why one would start the eleventh step, or why one would uh, want to quiet down the mind and build some space. Um, mm-hmm. You know, from my own perception, I was running on the sensory motor for many years, most of my life, actually, just bouncing from one thing to the next to the next, and Life was moving so fast that I, I never realized that I could make uh, different choices or conscious choices or if I slowed my, my life and my mind down, I could take a, a deeper look at what I was actually doing. You know, and uh, I call it piercing the veil of illusion. Uh-huh. You know, le- uh, leading that life of uh, spiritual disconnect that the 11th step allows me to continuously move toward uh, a certain type of unified consciousness, whereas I could understand and have an, my own uh, internal, innate, divine experience of, of oneness where, you know, it's uh, my source is from within and my I realize that happiness is a choice and it's uh, not contingent on anything outside of myself, that it's uh, more of an intrinsic oneness or... Uh, an internal and eternal experience of God. That's why, uh, or divine, whatever you like to say, one's intrinsic Buddha nature, you could call it whatever you like. But I, I know that when my mind is quiet, my body is quiet, I feel a certain uh, inward connection, you know, that we all all feel, you know, that uh, perennial philosophy that we all share that we really can't talk about or, or describe in words because it's just pale. Experiencing that and understanding the, the the two sides, you know, the duality of existence, and uh, to have a finer appreciation of uh, the whole conflict. Yeah, Peter, really we're gonna bottom. we're gonna continue after the break, and and uh, I want to have you talk a little bit about some of the exercises that you mentioned in the book, and then I hope we have time later to continue with this thought of the communities that you're building sure. in, in the areas of education, and you're doing so much work with all of this. I want to make sure we get to that. So we'll be back with Peter Amato. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned 
common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-Occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to energy medicine and optimal health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back. We've been talking with Peter Amato about his new book, Soul Silence, a unique approach to mastering the 11th step. Before we go any farther, Peter, where can, uh, where can we go buy this book? John, you could uh, order it on my website, peteramato.com or amazon.com. Okay. And then your website, of course. And right. At peteramato.com. Peter, one of the quotes you've got on the book, besides Deepak's, um, is Marianne Williamson, and I, I'm, I'm going to assume that many listeners are familiar with Marianne. And she says that Peter Amato gives a helpful guide to doing the 11th step, providing light on the path to spiritual surrender. He goes deep and takes the reader with him. And, and I uh, absolutely agree with that. And we've been talking about your journey and the seven years you took off. And... Uh, really going out and learning, and you studied with absolutely the best people on the planet, this planet anyway, um, and learned a lot from them. And we talked in the last section, of course, about Thich Nhat Hanh, and, and we talked about what prayer and meditation is. Could you just touch briefly on the chapter in your book about the difference between ego and soul? And, and you touch on it in here, and I think it's an important thing to talk about. Sure, John, and it's a, a complex subject, mm-hmm. but I'll give it my best try. Okay. The uh, if one perceives in, in duality, you know, right, wrong, good, bad. In other words, at the end of a sentence, we feel like we have to decide or make a choice or pick. And uh, you know, I, I want to. to I, I've learned that we don't have to. One of my Wonderful teachers, uh, Guru Devamrit Desai, my yoga teacher, he calls it choiceless awareness. You know, to arrive at the end of a sentence, a thought, an idea, and a paragraph, and be in a place of choiceless awareness where we don't have to choose for or against. You know, therefore we have an expanded basis to move from. It's uh, recognizing that it's not either or, but it's both and. 
And if we open up to a wider box of space and time by not choosing either or, but allowing both, and we could reach a higher center of gravity in our conscious awareness. So when I talk about soul and ego, oftentimes in the uh, philosophy of psychology, we talk about the soul as being uh, a part of the ego or an extension of the ego. You know, in duality, I'm juxtaposing the soul and the spirit as one side or the other. And uh, we say in 12-step that EGO, easing God out, is where our spiritual work lies. So the ego and the spirit, they juxtapose each other, they support each other, and they make up that yin and yang of the... uh, dynamics between the, actually the psychodynamics between the spirit and the soul. Dr. Chopper, he refers to the spirit and the soul as the ocean and the wave. They're always interconnected, yet the wave expresses itself ever so differently each and every time. Hmm. Hmm. It's like the yolk and the white part of the egg, always together but a whole different appreciation for and with each other. So to learn how to be, to experience spirituality and expanded levels of consciousness, we have to do the work of the ego and the soul. You know, we have the healthy side of the ego. We also have the the side that has blessed, cursed, or gifted us in our life to come to a place of, self-understanding or self-realization that change is possible and to move through the stages of change you know perhaps pre-contemplative contemplative right. readiness action we uh, we have a roadmap and that silence that you talk about soul silence right uh, once it's experienced it's pretty hard to forget it isn't it right it becomes uh you know, just the the fabric from where you move from in every round of the breath. Mm-hmm. And you go from that, and, and, and just, you know, briefly again in the book, some exercises, you, you give some diagrams, it's a very simple things to practice yoga, which assists in getting to this silence and getting to this place, and... Uh, Obviously, this is another thing that you have studied and and are very well equipped to share with people. But explain the simple approach you have in your book to uh, to the yoga piece. Sure, Armor Yoga was the basis for the type of yoga that I practice and teach, and it focuses on two aspects of the uh, eightfold path of Patanjali's yoga, and they are Hatha and Raja Yoga. Hatha yoga is using the physical body as a vehicle for transformation. And Raja yoga is about inward focus and meditative awareness. So using the body to help quiet the mind and experience the oneness, which is yoga, work well in conjunction with each other. And ultimately, although we like to practice alignment, the truth is in this yoga that we're only using the body to 
breathe and uh, offer breathing techniques to help us move beyond thought. You know, it's the mind, the intellect, and the ego that prevent us from experiencing our heart, our spirit, and the healthy side of our soul. And anyone can do this. Um, You know, I think that's an important thing for, like Deepak said, for individuals kind of trying to navigate through this piece. Anybody can do this yoga and this meditation. It's, It's really simple in this book. Yeah, so many styles of yoga, but this is a yoga of simplicity that's for all ages and all body types. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, here's uh, just one last little piece um, about the book, and you call it Knowing God's Will <laughs> and Carrying That Out. And uh, Tell me how you came up with that. Well, getting back to that, innate part of us that goes beyond right doing and wrong doing. There's that mm-hmm. place that we just, uh, we know, but we don't always pay attention at that level because of the, the powerful nature of the ego. But when we practice meditation, it's perhaps as close to the oneness of the intrinsic divine nature that we could attain as far as being, you know, Christ conscious or God conscious or divine conscious, that in that space and living in that uh, place often called timeless, it's there that in slow motion we reconcile almost from the place of the subtle body or the felt sense when we're being authentic or being genuine. And the body, from the uh, energetic standpoint of choice-making, it becomes experiential and actually guides the words or guides the choices or decisions, you know, not always in the place of ultimate goodness, but more often than not, and when self-will is making the, the choices, the ability to reconcile sooner than later self-regulation and the ability to make amends. Mm-hmm. You say in the book, well, in this chapter, Deepak says, once you understand the way life really works, the flow of energy, information, and intelligence that directs every moment, then you begin to see the amazing potential in that moment. I mean, obviously, it's living in the present, and it's letting go, and it's acceptance, a whole lot of stuff. You you say, I don't know, the three most powerful words in the universe. That's right. You know, to appreciate the mystery and, and surrender to uh, uh, non-doing is so powerful, and just to be in that, that flow of life and uh, just let the mystery take take one through their life if someone would have told me, 20 years ago that this is is who I would become and this is what I would be doing, I would never have uh, believed them. Yeah. You know, and who you've become and what you're doing, um, if people go to your website, they can find a lot of information, but there's several pieces to what you do. Uh, The Inner Harmony Wellness Center, I think in the next section, I'd like to touch on that. And then the teachings that you do and trainings you do and the educational pieces you do. 
and just lecturing to have someone like you around the country lecturing to schools and to corporate America, it's really taken these very, and I think you're the first one to admit you've not, you have not invented anything, you know, but you've become this vehicle to go out and share this with people that I, I, I think would otherwise not hear about it or see it or learn to use it. And, you know, that's really the powerful piece. And I mentioned community, uh, you know, in that last section, and you've built these little communities. And I think when we come back, uh, you have a retreat center, um, the Yoga Institute, which you have, and, and all these various aspects of your life that, that uh, you've become, Peter. So when we come back, we've been talking to Peter Amato, We'll give you some more information, and I think we're going to kind of focus on, if we can, Peter, also your uh, research project that you're doing as a part of your doctorate. So when we come back, we're going to kind of tie up with some of those. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. And again, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today and thank everybody that listens to One Hour at a Time with Mary Woods. We appreciate it. We wouldn't be able to do this without you and your, and your feedback and, uh, and to have really great guests like we do today. Peter Amato, his book is Soul Silence, A Unique Approach to Mastering the 11th Step. It's available on HCI Books, which is hcibooks.com and Amazon and through Peter's website, which is 
www.peteramato.com. And Peter, we uh, I kind of joked at the beginning of how do you find time, but uh, you know what you've become as a teacher and a lecturer, and you've got a master's, and you're really doing a lot. Um, so I don't think you're going 200 miles an hour anymore, but you're covering about the same ground as if you were. And uh, you're, if you could tell us a little bit before you go on the other stuff about your your PhD and the research project you're doing, because I think it's really uh, an informative piece for our listeners. Sure, John. And being influenced by the wellness center that we opened up uh, back in 97, Inner Harmony Wellness Center, and uh, forming a relationship with uh, Dr. Andrew Weil. I was actually the chairman of his board for some years. Uh, mm-hmm. It sent me back to school, you know, in my, my mid-50s, and uh, went to doctoral studies at Saybrook University in mind-body medicine. And through all learning all the modalities in mind-body, I chose to research the field of addiction and recovery and learn how successful it is or isn't and, you know, where there's research and where there's data. It didn't find a whole lot of research, a lot of anecdotal, uh, Mm -hmm. no solid research. So I decided to uh, conduct some research on my own and uh, set out to uh, learn more about what, what is it that we are recovering and what is the uniqueness that each one of us, what is the unique key for each one of our recoveries, different than the other person perhaps, and uh, contrast what, what's going on in the rehab world today, with, all the way from uh, inpatient to outpatient to uh, you know, uh, aftercare, continuum of care, and I've spent a lot of time in the rehab world, and there's uh, it's so varied and so different and uh, as I look around, I personally don't believe that the uh, current people are experiencing the type of recovery that one could learn from if we use more of an integral approach, uh, using the right uh, multidisciplinary approach right. that brings in the uniqueness. That's what I'm researching. God, that's fascinating. How long have you been working on it, and when will that be done? It's four years I'm working on it. I just finished my coursework. This will be my fourth year. I've, I'm hoping to finish the dissertation in the, within the next year. And along, along those roads, I've sent out about six different uh, peer-reviewed uh, submissions to some of the uh, journals in the substance abuse field. So I'm hoping to have my work published and uh, will continue to submit articles on, on my findings. Great. Well, we're, you know, we'll be glad to have you on to share those. We're really looking forward to what you find. And uh, I want to thank you for, you know, doing that work. And I think lots of people will appreciate you doing that. Can you, you the Inner Harmony Wellness Centers, now, 1997, is that the right year and we found it? I, gotta get, I had a wrong yes, year is. early in the show. I want to get one right here. Yes, it is. <laughs> is that right? Yes. All right. And what, tell us about it, Peter. Well, when I became sober and started to 
treat myself differently with self-care and uh, mind-body medicine and nutrition, meditation. I wanted to go into society and affect change, and I wondered where best I would do that, uh, healthcare, education. So I, I chose healthcare. And at the end of the day, what the part of healthcare that I'm passionate about is uh, meditation or self-inquiry. I'll go so far as to call it stress reduction, which is the root cause of most all disease. So that's why I opened up the center to craft a multidisciplinary team-based approach that would uh, uh, treat the whole person. You know, we call it whole person, whole care. And uh, that's what we've been doing is designing clinical protocols that treat the whole person for most all disease categories in a a fashion that's uh, kind of A, B, or C based on people's uh, uh, time, willingness to time, finances, and uh, stability of health. Uh-huh. And that's led you into other, many more fields and avenues, because I know you've done a lot in medicine and uh, your work at Mercy Hospital there in Pennsylvania. Can you uh, tell us yeah. a little more about that? Yeah. Sure. We went from a, a freestanding 4,200-square-foot uh, wellness center and that has evolved into the Center for Integrative Medicine at InterHarmony PC, which is uh, hospital-based now, and we're mainstreamed with it. We take insurance. We offer, uh, you know, a multitude of modalities to treat the mind and the body and the spirit, uh, bringing forward the uniqueness of the individual and empowering the individual to make their own conscious choices. And uh, more and more people are coming out. We, we've shifted from, you know, 10% uh, uh, wellness to uh, about 60 or 70% now, along with traditional allopathic care. So we're growing. All right. And you probably don't talk about this a lot, but I happen to know um, you do a lot of volunteer work. You also do a lot of corporate work where you go in and, the stress reduction is a very important factor in businesses, small, big, in between. You know, people people don't know how to do this and how simple it is. So you go in to teach them. But you also work in the prisons, and, and the state of Pennsylvania has been very grateful to you with some awards and all that sort of stuff. But what do you do when you go into a prison? I mean, that's a it's a very intense environment. <laughs> well, yes and no, because it allows me to deepen my own relationship and work with my own fears and inhibitions yeah. to realize uh, how deep my gratitude goes that I, I'm not there. So uh, I go right into the cell blocks, and this particular uh, facility was a maximum security. and So I'd end up in a, a glass room with uh, prisoners, teaching them how to uh, breathe on purpose, you know, mindfulness uh-huh. uh, breathing and uh it's ironic because they, 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 when I wouldn't come, eventually when I stopped going, they would, the, the warden would call my house and say, you better come down here. They're looking for you. <laughs> so they got so used to it. And uh, at some point, we would sit and actually pray for the, the staff and the guards and their families, being the prisoners. So do you still do that on a regular basis? No, I'm on, on sabbatical from that now. And I've moved on to an, another project uh, dealing with uh, with children and uh, the education system. Well, Peter, um, 
all of us at Westbridge and one hour at a time want to thank you for spending time with us. And I, I hope I've, you know, that we've gotten in as much info as we can. Uh, the book is Soul Silence, a unique approach to mastering the 11th step. And Deepak Chopra again says, uh, Peter's book, Soul Silence, is a guide for the countless individuals struggling to navigate through recovery and beginning to do the 11th step and beginning to learn and med- to meditate and pray. And again, the book's available on Amazon.com, HCI Books, and uh, Peter's website. And again, Peter, we want to thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. Pleasure, John. I'm grateful and honored to have been on the show. All right. Thank you again to Peter Amato, and thanks to all our listeners today uh, at One Hour at a Time. Bye for now. Appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.